All right, Pat. Welcome to the podcast, episode two hundred and four. Happy to have you here. How you doing, man? Good. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, excited to have you and talk about what you guys are doing with Genesis Volatility and DGen and um, everything kind of under that pink swan trading umbrella. So, tell me a little bit more about yourself first. I'm, I'm curious, you know, what your background is like. What did you do before? Um, you know, what, what's your, what's your story? Yeah. So my crypto rabbit hole story was back in 2015, I was working as a data scientist in healthcare. Um, and you know, the healthcare space is about as slow moving and it's got as much red tape as almost any industry. And so we were doing cool stuff. It's, you know, definitely like an impactful industry, but I had met my, my business partner randomly at an event and we were chatting. He was telling me he was a trader from Chicago. He was trading at DRW, which is a big prop shop in Chicago. And I was asking him, you know, what, what type of assets he's trading. And so he started telling me he's, he's really into personally into trading crypto. So I'd heard a little bit about it at the time, but never really fully dove deep. So he kind of took the time to explain all this stuff to me. And so back in 2015, he and I started meeting up every day, doing research, him more so from the trading perspective and his domain expertise is, is kind of in, in traditional markets and trading, specifically on the options side. Uh, and mine more, was more so on the technical side. So like building models, pulling data, organizing all that stuff. So we kind of spend weekends together researching, diving deep. Um, I got really interested in kind of the whole Ethereum development stack. So kind of pivoted from um, like specifically data science to more like full stack web three development. So I went kind of straight down the Solidity dev stack, went through like everything that you can learn about Solidity and Web3 and building dApps in this space. And so that was kind of like my progression through, through the crypto space was really getting into it from a trading perspective, learning more about the markets to really understanding the concepts of decentralization and permissionless applications to fast forward where we are now, building you know products in this space that kind of help bridge the gap between kind of traditional financial markets and people interested in moving into you know crypto trading. Got it. Did you do any trading before as well? Um, yeah. So, so back in 2015, it was more like put some, get capital to like having skin in the game makes you kind of be more interested in staying up to speed on it. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of our research and, and work in 2017 was figuring out like what protocols and ICOs and stuff, like would we want to participate in? I looked at it less from a from like a liquid trading perspective and like managing a book to like long term kind of investment strategy, whereas my partner is actively trading, you know, trading his own book. So I think our perspectives are kind of a bit different. But I've always always been investing in trading in the space since since I got into it. What was the first thing you invested in? Do you remember? Ethereum. Ethereum. I looked at Ethereum and I said, I don't know why like you can do so much with it that the Bitcoin like concept to me at the time didn't really make sense. I, would, I was thinking like if, if this is supposed to be digital money and you can build all this stuff that you know integrates this digital currency, that just makes more sense to me. That as as kind of time progressed, I understood that the narratives and the value props for these assets are are just different. And so I I have more experience and work and interest in the Ethereum ecosystem or more smart contracts in general. But always, I, I, I do see like the Bitcoin value prop. I have Bitcoin, so it's not like a, I'm not a maximalist on any side, but I just spend time and energy in the Ethereum world for the most part. 
Do you still think the same way you did back then about Ethereum or has that changed at all given the competition and some of the, the hurdles Ethereum has had to kind of try and overcome so far? Yeah, I think I think it's kind of the, you know, the the reason that I think like Bitcoin continues to succeed is it's like this first mover advantage. There's network effect. There's infrastructure being built around it. There's a lot of money at stake at the system. It, mm-hmm. There's a lot of capital that people want to protect and, and continue to invest in growing kind of the Bitcoin ecosystem. Uh, I think the same is true. I think Ethereum had like a really good, strong network effect in terms of building good developer communities, making onboarding, uh, you know, like applications into the network relatively simple. And I think the ecosystem is becoming better and better. I definitely think that there's a multi-chain world, but I think in terms of network effect, where you look at where brands are coming into the space, the chains that they're choosing on building, um, you know, for the most part, it seems to be that Ethereum's like this the settlement layer. But I see, you know, L1s and you know alternative chains have like great use cases for high throughput, especially when you know like a growing DeFi ecosystem can't be dependent on like a four hundred dollar gas fee for something to you know, to actually something to settle on chain. So I think that there's there's always there's the network effect of Ethereum, but I don't think you can really stop the growth of, of multiple chains in the future. Yeah, I think the biggest setback for most people, even myself using Ethereum is you know, like getting slapped with a 50 or $60 fee just to create a token. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not conducive of a healthy ecosystem. So, I mean, hopefully that stuff changes or a lot of people will probably flow to other platforms. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll see, I mean, we're seeing a lot of like uh, L2s and even like there's a lot of growth in development communities growing on, on other chains now. You know, I mean, people seem to be, uh, I see more development like work going on Solidity than I have in any other chain back in like 2017, 2018. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, you saw competitors like EOS back in the day, but those things kind of fizzled out. But I've never met anybody building on EOS personally. I've met a lot of people building on Solana. So I, I just think like maybe it was like a, you know, timing is important and it's, t- it's hard. You know, the timing back then was, was not conducive to like a competitive chain. Yeah. EOS was popular for a time and then, you know, kind of like just fizzled out and disappeared. I don't think it really panned out the way people were hoping it would. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I know a lot of people building on Solana though, um, mm-hmm. you know, despite the couple outages, I think Solana has had, I mean, other than that, it's a fantastic blockchain yeah and i think that a lot of the the chains are learning from each other like Mm -hmm. you know the wallet integrations are a lot easier and seamless when you've you know having had to deal with like the ethereum network from the beginning like i remember using the mist browser wallet and that thing what i mean it was really it was an inconvenience to use and seeing like the user experience to get into interacting with these blockchains is becoming a lot better across the board. And I think everybody's kind of learning as we go along. So I think that's like a, a, a major win for, for the ecosystem and the blockchain and, and for crypto in general. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's talk a bit more about what you are doing now with uh, Genesis Volatility, Degen. Can you explain some of that stuff? Yeah. So uh, my co-founder, his name is Greg Magadini, and I started a company called Pink Swan Trading back in January of 2020. Um, Since both of us have interest in crypto and we have an overlap in data interests and we have product development experience, we said, you know, let's build a crypto data kind of product company where we can take our interests in crypto, 
build products around this to bring in new trader, to bring in different trading audiences. So in January of 2020, we launched our first product in market, which was Genesis Volatility. So my partner, Greg's a huge options trader, like loves options and his second love is crypto. So he's like, the moment I saw crypto options, he's like, this, this is what I want to be building in. And so, so we put together, we started building Genesis Volatility, which is our first, uh, our flagship product. So it basically focuses on giving tools for uh, professional options traders to understand how crypto options are being priced, how volatility is moving around, uh, where open interest in some of these options contracts are lining up, what some of the big uh, market makers or, or you know professional traders are doing in the space and kind of condensing it all into a little bit more meaningful way to kind of understand the options market. And so we've been, that product's been live for roughly you know, two years now, and we've been making great traction. So we've been partnering with all the big crypto options exchanges and integrating our charts with um, with all of them. So their traders have these tools to kind of understand how these markets are moving around. So that that was kind of our, our first product in market. And then as we um, kind of started seeing the crypto markets kind of move from you know, trading liquid spot tokens to a push to DeFi and kind of all this on-chain execution stuff, we started seeing the like the nascent NFT marketplaces um, starting to gain a bunch of traction. So I was person personally, I have a ton of interest in on-chain data and NFTs are a really interesting asset class because I think, you know, as crypto is a brand new asset class, NFTs are like a subset of a brand new asset class. So there's a lot of opportunity to help understand what's going on in those markets. And so that was kind of the approach that we took when building out our second product, which was DGen data. So when we built out DGen data, the idea was a lot of the, the value of an NFT is, is in the metadata and the metadata doesn't necessarily live on chain. It lives on IPFS, on a central server. You know, it, most of the time it doesn't live in the contract. And so to, to properly analyze like the value movements of NFTs, you need to aggregate all this metadata, look at the historical trade volume and trade data on chain, and then start to pull out like meaningful insights as to what's going on into each of these NFT communities. And that's kind of the, that's our newest product in markets. We support roughly, well, probably more than 15, if you include every art blocks sub project, uh, like, you know, the factory play, playground and curated. So we support kind of uh, some of the, the NFT projects where we see kind of long-term development, long-term value accrual, strong communities building around them and, and try to focus on things that we see like long-term growth and building analytics around those communities. Cause ultimately we wanna see things, you know, projects with the crypto ethos succeed and push this space forward. Can you explain a bit more um, what metadata is in relation to NFTs? Because I've gotten questions about that before. Like when we talk about metadata, what is metadata? When you talk about NFTs, like um, like what goes into that? Yeah. So so the way I mean to break it down, like in a simplified technical explanation, an NFT is nothing different than a token with a, a unique ID, and so that really is what makes a an nft and an nft but what people attach to the nft is data that says token one has these attributes 
And those attributes have some, you know, rarities, some characteristics that drive some specific value. And those characteristics are, are referred to as metadata. So if you look at like CryptoPunks, for example, a, a CryptoPunk with the, the, you know, the skin type of alien is, is the most rare type of metadata attached to the CryptoPunk token. And so we think that, that, you know, by pulling that data apart and analyzing how those those characteristics trade on chain, you can start to see where the market is valuing certain things over time. And that's one of the things that, you know, we've seen a lot of, of interest and growth in, in NFT trading. And we think that for, for kind of the, the community of, of NFT traders that are kind of in the weeds and want to know for specific communities, how their, you know, how their assets are, are moving over time you'll need the ability to kind of dissect that data. What, what all in total, like what kind of on-chain data for NFTs are you guys tracking and trying to measure uh, specifically? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of really interesting ones and it's cool because like, as you enter, as we build out analytics for different communities, mm -hmm. different communities want to see different things. So we'll build them out to see what their communities see is interesting. So, there's a few that we kind of standardize and normalize across every project. And then we dive deep into ones that people want to see. But for example, so looking at like average or floor price over time, correlate it with trade volume. Um, another interesting metric is seeing which wallets are, are like the biggest buyers and sellers and allowing you to analyze like what that wallet is also placing bets on. So if somebody buys, you know, half a million dollars in an NF in, you know, a hundred NFTs of some project, be interesting to know what else they're placing bets on or understanding are they selling did they accumulate where's the floor now how much how profitable are they um things like that so those are some those are some like uh like quantifiable trade metrics that we look at and then there's a lot nft trading is like heavily driven by the community involvement so the other thing that a lot of people like to look at is like what are those token holders uh like communities look like is there a big one that everybody likes to look at for the most part is like, especially for larger collections is the number of distinct holders of a project over time. So the idea there is, you know, if, if board apes had perfect distribution, you know, one wallet would own one token and there'd be 10,000 holders of, of the apes and they would have the, the biggest community that like of holders, but ideally you want to see new market entrances, new growth in that space. Obviously you hit some point where you kind of plateau, where you, you know, you got people with diamond hands, people who are, you know, trading floor thing back and forth and, you know, they're scalping NFTs, you know, so to say, but um, that's an interesting one to kind of look at, at how the community is growing. And then other ones that we think are interesting is like the number of wallets in, in projects that hold more than like a certain number of NFTs. So like, if you have a collection where half of it, half of the NFT float is, is held by like 15 wallets, you have there's a there's a big opportunity for the market to have like to be pushed down in in those situations if somebody wants to offload you know everything at the floor like it's good to understand those and then but on the flip side you can also look at like the number of wallets or the wallets that hold a specific nft and their eth balance so you can say like how many quote unquote millionaires in in eth terms hold our project and so you start to look at like the the personas of the wallets in these communities and you know you can start to like understand is this new market entrances into into eth are these people who have like big 
portfolios of NFTs and are adding to them. And so we build those tools. And I mean, on Twitter, we actively share some of the insights that we're finding, but there's so much to dissect that, you know, we want to make sure that people have the opportunity to understand what they're, what they're looking at. Yeah, that's really cool. Who does this um, benefit the most? All this data that you guys are accumulating on, on stuff like NFTs, um, who, who's the customer? Yeah, I think, well, there's, in terms of who it benefits the most, I think on like twofold, it benefits the communities that we support because, mm -hmm. you know, the more tooling, the more infrastructure around certain projects, like the more insight and the more like decisions people can make based off that data. So we think it's a really good value driver to the communities that we support. And then on, on the other side, what we think it caters to is kind of like the NFT like trader and enthusiast. So we think there's the metrics kind of could be broken out into basically two different categories. Like, are you actively trying to understand the value of your NFT to trade or are you a collector and you want to understand where the long-term value accrual is going? Are more big collectors coming in? Are more, you know, unique holders coming in over time. So there's kind of like the macro view that you can look at for specific projects from a collector base. And then there's like the trader base, like how are things moving day to day, which, which pieces of, or which characteristics of certain NFT projects are people, you know, really, um, like interested in, in buying. Is there any, uh, interest or demand from corporations or institutions? I remember I was on OpenSea the other day and I was just kind of looking at new stuff cause there's new stuff all the time. Um, and there was this collection that I think was owned by Pepsi and they were doing a whole bunch of different NFTs. Um, I imagine that they're craving certain analytics on NFTs to figure out how they can make more money, what they should post, um, what does well, what doesn't do well, what do people hold based on what they have? Um, I imagine that's you know potentially part of your market as well. Correct. Yeah. And I think, I think as the, um, uh, like as big brands get into the NFT space, I think right now what they're figuring out is how they fit in. And then as they find their fit in the space, you know, it becomes, okay, now how do we continue to understand what our users are doing on chain? What do they find valuable? What other collections do they like, you know, do they vibe with? And you can kind of like pull all that stuff out cause it all lives on chain. And then the other thing I think is interesting to kind of go off that point is like more institutional interest in, or, you know, maybe not institutional interest, but more like professional products or, or, mm -hmm. retail, or you know, bigger brands coming into the space. There was, I think it was today, Bitwise launched a, a NFT blue chip index. And so now you have like professional, like, like products being built around like specific collections that people may want exposure to or understand how the price floors or, you know, the value of that index moves over time. So mm -hmm. it's starting to become more sophisticated. And I think as time progresses, this space will just continue to, to, I mean, it, it'll just continue to grow. I don't know where it'll be in the next 10 years, but it'll be really interesting to see. Yeah, that's actually an interesting idea. Has anyone really put together a good index that you can measure the, like the whole NFT market within crypto and blockchain, kind of like the NASDAQ or the S&P and kind of getting an idea of how some sector or industry is performing? That'd be really cool. Yeah, it's well, one of the things that um, I, I haven't seen it yet, but there's things that are getting close to to that idea. There's the index Co-op has a DeFi Pulse index, so it kind of mm -hmm. takes it builds an index around some of the bigger DeFi projects. They did the same thing with uh, like a portfolio of Metaverse land parcels, and I think that's like a blue chip NFT index 
is a natural extension for like what they're building. That's more mm -hmm. from like the DeFi native side. I think a Bitwise is more like a a non-DeFi based index where eventually you know maybe things are trading against it. But it'll be it's definitely you know the the financialization of everything is kind of like mm -hmm. intertwining here, which is really interesting. And I think you'll continue to see that like move forward into asset classes into that that you like wouldn't expect to be trading on chain. Yeah, I see it coming though. There's going to be indexes. It'll, it'll make sense having different indices for like metaverse land and collectibles mm -hmm. and arts, and then pulling it together to see how those different niches within just NFTs are performing. Yeah, NFTs are going to be like this multi-billion-dollar market. It's it's insane how much money's pouring into it. So I wouldn't yeah. be surprised to see metrics like that at some point. And I think the in the NFT space, the thing that we think is really interesting is like. People associate NFTs with art, collectibles, digital game assets. Mm -hmm. Like that's that's like the the primary use case right now. Like they can be a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. And I think right now what we're associating with is what we know and what we're familiar with. But I think if you look down the road, what an NFT will represent in in like a tokenized world is going to be a lot different. And I think that that's like a uh, that's an area if you, if you could fast forward, you know, three years to see what's going on in this space would be really interesting to understand. Okay. When you look down the road, what, what do you see NFTs kind of shaping into and becoming? I, I know a lot of people think that they're going to have more utility. They'll represent more real life assets and, and items and things like that. Um, what's your vision of that? Yeah. So actually we have some, we're working on something that we think is pretty interesting in the NFT space that'll kind of highlight NFTs are more than profile pictures and 3D avatars and games. Mm -hmm. So we're actually gearing up to sell our DGEN data platform. And so we, our company purchased a CryptoPunk back in March and we've been using the CryptoPunk as the brand identity for DGEN data. It's a very crypto native product. It's you know built primarily for crypto native NFT traders and we think that to push the NFT space forward, selling DGEN data in a novel way will really kind of highlight what NFTs can be. So the way that we're doing it is we'll be selling our CryptoPunk and we're writing a contract, an on-chain contract physic with like a physical written contract that'll allow the new owner of our, NF, of our CryptoPunk to claim all the IP to our platform. And we think that that's like a... We think that uh, NFTs are a good gap and bridge between the, the physical or Web 2 world and the Web 3 world. And we think that that's a really interesting way to highlight, like, our NFT is a crypto pump, but what it's associated with is our product. And we don't want, we, we think they should be intertwined. And we think, you know, showing that, like, a Web 2 product that, that operates in a Web 3 world understands that's where this space is going to go and things are going to, you know, continue to move in, in a way where assets are no longer, you know, entirely just the, you know, the back end of, of a product, but it's like the brand and the identity of a product becomes, becomes the NFT. And so we think that those, that's going to be a really interesting way to highlight the fact that this space isn't just profile pictures. It can be whatever you want to attach the value to in a unique way. 
What do you think the medium or the future medium is going to be for interacting with NFTs? Do you think it'll be on the phone, on the computer like it is now, um, maybe through VR and metaverse and stuff like that? Do you think it'll be a primary method or do you think it'll kind of just be everywhere? I think for, I think where you'll see majority of the use cases will be like in a digital landscape, Mm -hmm. right? So I think you see a ton of really cool stuff going on in like digital art galleries, like on cyber. Those are really cool. But then I think when you look at some of the stuff going on in crypto voxels, you see people building galleries, storefronts, uh, selling wearables. And it's like a really um, like Web3 native, like it, it just fits perfectly in that environment. But I also think that, you know, by tokenizing things, you're you're building and giving yourself access to like a global marketplace where traditionally there's not liquidity, you know, like you're limited by liquidity restraints, market access and things like that. So I think you'll see more things moving on chain. And those, I think those will be like more niche for specific industries, verticals and places where they understand that. And so I think those will happen. I think you'll see less of the billboards around those or less of the media coverage because that's taking like existing business models and just kind of putting them into a place where they can operate in, in kind of this new world. I think where you look forward, it's like, this is the way the world is going. And like, this is all the new stuff. This is how, how the future will operate. I think it's, it's a pretty interesting uh, split, but I think most of the, the NFT engagement will come on in the metaverse. And, and that's where I think like the meat and potatoes of, of the NFT future will, will live. Cool. It's so exciting. I, I love this space and I love NFTs in particular. It's really cool what people are doing with them nowadays. Yeah, it, it's wild. Um, let me ask one more question, then we'll kind of uh, start to close things out. What's your guys' uh, plan for 2022? What's the roadmap kind of look like? What kind of things are you going to start doing or you want to start doing yeah. um, that you guys can talk about? Yeah, sure. So um, we're really excited by the sale of DGen data. We think this is like a really cool, novel way to highlight NFTs attaching real world assets to them. So mm -hmm. that's one thing that we're excited on, on the DGen data side of the world. Um, on the, the Genesis volatility side, we think DeFi options are going to be an extremely huge market in the crypto world in the future. And so as an analytics provider, um, right now we're starting to build out analytics around uh, DeFi options trading, uh, understanding how these markets maybe trade a little bit differently than, than the CFI options markets. And then ultimately, we're going to start building solutions in the DeFi option world. Um, so building things directly on chain to integrate with protocols to kind of help drive uh, transactions and flow through through our trader base to to some of these DeFi um, these DeFi native options protocols. So we're really excited about the growth in the DeFi options space as well. Cool. Where can people go to find out more about all these things and what you guys are doing? Um, just the website or do you guys have a blog or a discord or where should people go? Yeah. So for DGen data, you can check, you can follow us on Twitter. Our uh, Twitter handle is at DGen data and you can always DM us. Our DMs are, are open. Uh, our website is dgendata.io. So if you're an NFT enthusiast looking to understand some of these markets, check it out. It's all free. Um, on the options side of the world, our, you can follow us on Twitter. Um, our Twitter handle is at Genesis Vol. And then our website is gvol.io. 
And so those are kind of the two primary platforms. Again, uh, DMs are open on, on both Twitter accounts. So if you have any questions, ideas, things you'd like to see, we're always receptive to that stuff because we think like hearing from the people that use this stuff is the way to make it really powerful. Um, but yeah, those are the places you can find those. Sweet. Sounds good. I'll, I'll put it all in the description so people can easily find it. Pat, uh, thanks for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. Learned a yeah, lot. Yeah, thanks for having me, Brandon. A anytime. Feel free to come back on in the future. Um, stay safe, stay healthy. Thanks. You too. Take care. You too.